With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Movie Chumps, episode 68, Goodfellas. Let's get after it. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. <laughs> He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? For us to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's going to be a good summer. <laughs> It was a glorious time. In a world that's powered by violence, on the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. Every time I watch Goodfellas, I can't tell what it is that the film inspires me to want to do more of. Eat, listen to 1950s doo-wop, go out and be loud with friends. What else am I missing here? Fist to lift your ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. <laughs> do a lot of coke. Do a lot of coke. I'm trying to think what else. Look for helicopters. Make people dance. <laughs> and that too. Hey, he's Corey Cook. I'm Luke Mayo. Zoom is gone, folks. We're doing this sucker live in the basement of... Uh, my house. <laughs> it's at a compound. We are, I, I've actually, no, I am now in the People's Republic of Irondequoids, <laughs> and this is, this is now our new normal. We will be face-to-face, barring any, uh, Delta stuff. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> Delta variants. Good grief. It's funny, I, I go, I text you, I go, hey, go in through the garage, uh, and then you come in. I was like, like, you gonna do me like Tommy? <laughs> yeah, I got Oh re- no! <laughs> By the way, Movie Chumps, uh, episode 68, Goodfellas, of course. Why the, could did he not see that coming? Obviously he, he didn't, but I thought that was a little. You know, he's so the character himself is so arrogant. So you know that he's like finally, he felt like, oh, of course I deserve this. I probably should have been made five years ago. Like he just has no self awareness of the fact that you know, he pisses people off. You just can't be a cowboy all the time. And it's so amazing to me. Like there's that 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 part of him, and then when he when he like when he beats Billy Bats to hell. And then he's like almost crying to Henry saying, I'm sorry, I didn't want to get blood on your floor. It's like, you got some warped priorities. <laughs> that was a little, yeah, that was a little odd. But it's sincere. You know, like yeah. he's really emotional about that. That, 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 that's how much the friendship matters to him. By the way, we are in Martin Scorsese month. Yes, this we is five weeks that. of Marty. So this is uh, number two. And uh, we'll, uh, well, I'll key up the next one at the end of the show. Yeah, but yeah we got five don't weeks. Don't tell him, yeah. And uh, don't think this is the end of Marty. I mean, we're going to be doing more Marty films. But we thought, why not pay tribute to a legend, a living legend, and uh, who right now is, is filming 
Uh, what is the name of that? Uh, Flower, Killers of the Killers Flower of the Moon. Flower Moon. Both of us read that book. And, Terrible uh, title, by the way. Ki- but. Killer, yeah, kind of provocative though. Yeah. But I, I think that the the subject matter is amazing, and it's it's right in Martin Scorsese's alley. You almost delivered concerned. that like Christopher Walken. Yes. And the subject, it's the subjects, amazing. <laughs> and wow, oh. this guy comes back from Old Forge. You were in Old Forge last night, Bruce. Haha, no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Yes, I was in Old oh, Forge. Oh, yeah, Old Forge. Yes. And you enjoyed it. It was good getting away. It was packed up there probably because everybody's been getting away from COVID. Old Forge is interesting because it's like Father Time forgot the place, and it's everything's it's like all pushed It's very commercial. You know, it's very well, – it's, there's very much touristy trap bait stuff, you know what I mean? And everything feels like it's on top of each other, like really smushed together. And, you know, it's it was – I. I told you it's so strange out there because their mask policy from place to place ranges from fuck it to you better be wearing hand sanitizer suit before you come into this place. So it's it was I mean we had a we had a nice time you know it was pretty good weather the whole time and my my son loved the uh, you know the the water slides and stuff. So oh, and guys, I, that's I, right, you guys did. Do I hadn't water been supply. there in twenty six years so. I was there one time. All I remember is long lines. I think I went when I was like 10 or 11. The lines weren't that long, actually. I'm surprised. So, yeah. But last year I heard, because my dad went up last year, and he said it was nuts up there. Because everybody was everybody from New York City mm-hmm. just getting away. Remember, that was when COVID was at its peak. Yeah. So everybody was just trying to get out of the uh, the big city. So it was mm-hmm. it was mod. But, and then he told me, I don't know if I mentioned it to you last time on the pod, but I told you in a text, Danny DeVito and Kevin Bacon yes. supposedly have cabins on like, I think, Fourth Lake or Seventh Lake. One of the big ass lakes that's around Old Forge, so Did, I was like, "Be on the lookout yeah, for those." Didn't see clowns. either one of them. Yeah, <laughs> when you texted me that, like, "Be on," so be on the lookout. I was like, "I can think of it was our American Psycho podcast." Like, I might be at Harry's Bar, so keep your eyes open. <laughs> We're going to Nell's. Hey, before we get any further, uh, five questions back in my back on my side of the fence. So I, I got a couple Goodfellas ones, and then I got one that I just came up with based on. The jersey you're wearing. So we're going to get to that okay. in a second. First, Goodfellas. Who would be the worst possible replacement, and it has to be a guy, for Ray Liotta in Goodfellas? In other words, if you were going to make the least, if you wanted to make the least amount of money and wanted to basically annihilate Scorsese's reputation with this film, who do you cast instead as Henry Hill? Uh, ben Stiller. <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> Which I mean, or Dom DeLuise, good, good for Dom DeLuise, yeah, Kermit the Frog. <laughs> for, for as long as I remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> Karen, where's the? Yeah. That's all we got. Yeah, all we got. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I, and I'll, I'll be freely admit, I am not a Ben Stiller fan. Like, I don't find him funny. I've never found him funny. There's a couple things here and there. Like, there's something about Mary. Yes. But, like, I'm just one of those odd men out that I just don't find him particularly funny. His I, father, on the other hand, rest in peace, hilarious. Love Jerry Steele. There's nothing alike. It's kind of an odd situation. But uh, but maybe that's cool. Yeah. Jerry and uh, Jerry, right? It is Jerry. 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 Yeah. Hey, Jerry. Question two. Your least. I hope I didn't ask some of these before. You probably least, have. We're going to, you know, we're old. At some point, we're going to step on each other and we are going to have repeated this it's going to be some, embarrassing if you know, it's the week before some um, actually guy from the remote corner of the internet is going to call us on uh, you actually asked this question in episode 44 that was in the blood sport <laughs> three yeah, yeah right <laughs> all right question two least favorite word and curse words don't count and neither does moist the least favorite word least favorite word oh, man 
or maybe most hated word. No, like derogatory terms. Obviously, we don't we don't like those. Oh man, except chooch. I call it people that. A I, lot. You know, it's I'm gonna say this word, and people are gonna think one thing about it or another. They're gonna. I, I really the term that is really it's not it's annoying me because I'm hearing it so much is the term heteronormative. Like I understand. Never heard it. Yeah, it's it's basically when you're talking about gender identity and stuff like that. Which again, I not anti-LGBTQ or anything like that. It's like the word is so overused, it's starting to drive me insane. It's like... It, I actually have seen it on Twitter, I think. Yeah. It just, it's just, it's nothing to do with the word itself. It just is thrown around so much that I'm just like, you know, it's the one pe- it's like the people who use the word literally all the time and can't stop. It's not anything, the word itself has just become so overused, it's driving me nuts. But my favorite word is susurration. Love that word. I think my I, least favorite. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have one. I don't even mind moist that much. <laughs> I'm more annoyed at how annoyed people get when they hear moist. Like, get over it already. Yeah, you're a grown ass man. Yeah, <laughs> you're 95. Get over it. <laughs> okay. Question three. Another Goodfellas one. What movie would survive better without narration? Shawshank Redemption or Goodfellas? Both of those films, I feel like the narration is fundamental, not to the yes. success, but like if you don't have it, it makes it a completely different movie. I thought about this while watching Goodfellas. I think I think Goodfellas. Like you I need think. it, meaning you need it in Goodfellas. I think so. I think so too. They're, they explain too much. There's almost too much information, which we'll get into. There's too. There's almost too much information to 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 absorb on first watch. Yeah. Like you need a couple. Even now, and we've seen it probably twenty times at least, and there's still stuff where. Even the other night, there's a couple nuggets where I thought, oh, I don't remember them mentioning that before. Well, the funny thing, too, is that this, I think the reason it needs it is the, almost the, the way that the film is structured, and I don't know if this is, in, I think I feel like this is intentional, is that it's all from like the first person point of view of Henry Hill. So it's right. almost like it's a novel of somebody telling it. So, I mean, the one thing about narration that I think where you get into trouble sometimes is where you're you express your thoughts as narration and that happens Mm. a couple times in this film but not to the point where it gets annoying i mean that's why there was some that why there's so much pushback against the old dune movie is is because of the fact that there's so many times where he's like thinking his thoughts and it's narrated out line out loud where you don't need to do that but again this is one of i think i think you need it for goodfellas just because there's so if you don't know anything about that life it helps, and I don't feel like there's a. Ton, I don't feel like there's exposition that just ruins everything. No, you know. But man, yeah, they throw a lot of info at you. Question four: What's an overrated cartoon from our childhood that everyone else seemed to like, but you thought was garbage? Oh God, I am gonna get some hate mail for this one. Don't Scoop, say gummy Scooby bears. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, it's a little annoying. I've never been a fan of Scooby-Doo. Scooby's just, kind of annoying. Just, just didn't like it. Um, underrated cartoon is She-Ra to me. I loved She-Ra. <laughs> I thought it was great. Master of the Universe it was awesome. I can't. Have you seen the trailer for the new one that Kevin Smith's coming out with? It's a direct sequel to the '80s cartoon. No, it looks awesome. No, I did see it. Yeah, I thought it, I'm not a big animation guy, mm-hmm. but I appreciate the uh, the work that goes into it. Yeah, but I don't get like that excited about that type of stuff. Yeah. but I'm glad it's back in the conversation. Yeah, I was always a big He-Man. Mark fan Hamill's going to be uh, Skeletor, so that's pretty awesome. Hamill back in the mix. Yes. Question five, final one. You, this is the one I came up with uh, because of what you were wearing. You are rocking a Bruce Smith jersey, old school Bills. Bruce. Give me three people whose jerseys you wouldn't be caught dead wearing. 
Okay. Could be any sport. Could be any sport. Wouldn't be caught dead wearing Tom Brady's jersey, <laughs> for one. I'm um, trying to think who else. I kind of want an Al Cowling's jersey, just for the conversation. Could you imagine the conversations you'd get? Like, oh, how'd you get that, man? It'd probably be more like, holy cow, I've never seen that before. I've seen some OJ jerseys. Yeah. Very few. But You know who wouldn't be caught dead? No, I can't, I can't make that. I can't <laughs> Come go on. We're not going to go there. Uh, not Bill Cosby. Okay. Any, uh, let's see. Uh, Troy Aikman. Because I freaking couldn't stand the Cowboys when I, when I was a kid. I still can't. Do you like him as an uh, announcer? Nah, he's fine. I don't he's think just like, he's eh. You know, it's like, the funny thing, too, is I can't stand the Cowboys. I love Tony Romo as an announcer. I think love he's, him. he's legit great. Yeah. Um, I actually think he's a better, it's, as good as he was a quarterback, I think he's a better announcer than he was a quarterback. I'm going to go with probably. Did you uh, hate maybe, Pedro? Oh, John Starks. That's my oh, three. Oh, Starks. I hated the Knicks. Girl. Starks I could handle. I probably could think of some better ones. There's but. some Red Sox. There was a period there when they were real, when it was really heated with like the Pedro Martinez teams, Manny Ramirez. Oh, I yeah. hated those two. I, but I actually like teams. Pedro now, and Manny, I don't mind. Um, oh, who's the other, uh, the second baseman there, white dude? I think he just bald. He just left. Pedro, uh, Dustin Pedroia. Yeah, I kind of wanted to punch him in the that face midget. a few times. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that's five questions. All right, so one of the big challenges, I mentioned this last week, was how the heck do you talk about a film that's been, it's almost like ingrained into our, our movie-dumb, into ourselves all these years. It comes out in 1990. I'm 10 at the time when this arrives. You're 11 or 12. 12. <laughs> You're 17 or 18. <laughs> nah, hey, lo- yeah, hey, listen, pal. We're not too that different in age. And yeah, because it, well, the thing is, it's it's very ingrained for you since you saw it in the, saw it in the theater at ten, which to me still blows my mind. <laughs> like, it, I think you even mentioned like you walked out saying, "I don't think I should have saw that movie." <laughs> but well, here's the thing: it, it, it was because I asked my dad about it like a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Man, I can't believe you took us to see that." Did it you tell like, him we were going to do this? I did, but he doesn't like. He's, he doesn't listen. He's like at that age, you know. He's like seventy. So what he's a great like, podcast. What's that? You know, he doesn't like get <laughs> yeah. it. You know, he's like. Um, but I mentioned, I go, I can't believe he took me, Bob, and his brother, Paul, who was two years younger than us, so he was eight. Oh. And he goes, no, 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 it was you and your cousin, Nate, who's like six or seven years older. Oh, okay. Are you sure? I thought it was Bob and Paul, which I think it was Bob and Paul. Yeah. And it just sounds like... He just doesn't want to admit he let even somebody younger go see this I film. think that's what he was saying, but he, I do remember him saying that it was like some kind of sneak peek thing where... We saw it on this. Maybe, oh. maybe this makes it worse. We saw it on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Oh, then you definitely saw a pre-screening then. For yeah. Sure. And somehow he got his hands on the tickets. I don't know how you. I don't know if it was just you go to Wegmans to get them, or if it was, mm-hmm. or if he knew some. Maybe he did a job for somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Spaghetti eating contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I remember walking out thinking, even during the the the, the film, thinking that's this is a lot of f bombs. Like yeah. I never heard this many f bombs. And at that point, I knew none of those guys because when you're ten in 1990, there's no way you would even know who De Niro is. Yeah. And I didn't. I remember seeing him. I remember thinking that was the guy from that Midnight Run movie, which I hadn't seen at the time. But I remember seeing the trailers for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Because I remember they hyped that up big time. Right. But I got out of there liking it, thinking it was almost disgusting with some of the, you know, those killings, especially the Billy Bats one. Mm-hmm. But where did you, do you remember the first time you saw it? So here's an interesting thing. VHS, probably? I, I, I believe it was VHS. I think I probably didn't. I don't think I saw this movie till maybe the mid to late 90s. I might have been outside of high school. Ironically enough, though, what I do remember about the film when it came out is I remember the the, the, 
TV commercial for it because I remember the thing that they always showed in the commercial was the young Henry Hill with his suit. You know, he opens up, yeah, look at this suit. It's like, oh, you look like a gangster. And I just, re- I, I just remember that from the, the TV commercial. That was a big trailer, so, so thing. Dis- distinctly. And I think my, I think I, if I remember correctly, my mom and dad did watch the movie. It was like, can I watch it? It's like, you're not watching this yet. <laughs> and it's, it is like pretty brutal. I mean, that's it's, probably the big thing is the, the bat scene. And I'm trying to think, what's another killing? Oh, uh, Maury getting the stake through the freaking, oh, the yeah, knife the through the head, the neck. Yep. And uh, Christopher. Molasanti oh, yeah, I'm from Sopranos. getting shot, you know, a spider. And the sp- getting, hey, spider. Hey, spider. And like, oh, it's like, oh, Tommy, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and like, so boom, great. boom, boom. That is so, unex- I don't want to say, un- I guess I shouldn't say unexpected considering, you know, Pesci's performance as Tommy is just bar none and uh, is, is just fantastic. One of the shortest Oscar speeches in history either. If you ever say, thank you. I think it's like, thank you so much. It's an honor. And like, it's literally less than five seconds and he's out. I YouTube that the other yeah. day. And somebody spliced in. I thought it was a mistake. Yeah. Like the Oscars. Somebody spliced in a clip from Home Alone. So it looked like, you know, when they go through like the nominations, they're like, yeah. okay, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis for Agent or whoever was up for yeah. it. And then it goes, Joe Pesci, you know, and then it shows like a clip from Home Alone. <laughs> and then he, has, he goes up. And there's all these comments like, I think this is a mistake. I don't... <laughs> And then, like, you, then you got the anti, the other comment. There's like, yeah, douchebag. They did it on purpose. Oh God. So, but yeah, that is a short Oscar speech. But good for him. Yeah. Well, the thing, I guess, the reason for it was the fact that he didn't think he was going to win. He didn't believe that he was going to win at all. So he was like so surprised he Foolish. didn't even have a have a, a speech prepared. So we mentioned it a little bit last week. So again, to go back real quick, because I know we we kind of been all over the board. One of the big the the big hurdles for this pod was how the heck do you talk about this film? You know, because we know how good De Niro is. We know how good Pesci is. So I'm just going to kind of throw a, a, a bombardment of questions at you. Sounds great. The first one is... I want, I want to make the, the audience really quick aware. I'm usually meticulous about doing research. Because of vacation, I've done zero research for this. I almost don't think... Like I was saying, though, I, don't almost, I almost think you don't need it for this because there's so much juice and stuff to yeah. talk about. I'm almost surprised by how many scenes there are in this film. It's... You There's got to be like a thousand. What's funny is the fact that you, you know, you always have talked about before about scenes make the movie, and if you got this, this, this movie is almost like a, a compilation of scenes that yeah. come together to fit because it's not like your traditional narrative structure. There's no MacGuffin. It's it's, it's, it's kind of like a just a a moment in time for of twenty five years for some person's life in 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 film, and it's. Or some person's life, you know, in the mob in New York City, and even Scorsese has commented on this before that he's like, not all of his films have that narrative structure to them all the time. And I think he, he jokingly said once that you know when he won for The Departed, which we're going to be doing next week, he says, "Wow, I finally directed a film with a plot or something like that." He kind of made a joke of that gesture, but that's that's kind of what separates him apart as a director too, and it makes him a little bit avant-garde is that this is just kind of a snapshot of that life. So, And I think that's probably why it's so rewatchable. There's so many scenes where, and again, I think I watched it twice in the last week because I fell asleep like halfway through, and then the next day I'm like, screw it, I'm starting it over. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to the middle scene. Right. I'm going to like start up. But by the way, I think the middle scene was the spider getting shot. I think that's like literally the half point. Yeah. Half, half point mark. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I think a movie's like, okay, 12 Angry Men. That's like two scenes, right? It's like... The jury room and the courtroom. 
right. which I don't even think they even get to. Maybe there's like a couple shots of it in there. But in here, there's almost like a thousand different scenes. And I think that's part of why it's so rewatchable is, is you got about like, there's God, there's got to be like 65, 70 scenes. And then the narration adds so much info. And then the characters. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much. There's almost like so much to look at. It's like going into a buffet. You got even if you don't feel like some of the potatoes, you got uh, you got you got the salad bar. You got the freaking you got the chicken wings. So I don't know. I think that's one of the main hallmarks of what makes this so rewatchable. And the fa- and you really could pick any point in this film and do a deep dive and talk about it and talk about its significance and kind of what it means to you. It's it's incredible to think that. You know, you you look at the scene where like Billy Bats gets killed, which is so violent, and then you know they're stabbing him in the you know in the in the trunk of the car, and then they bury him, and then they got to get him out six months later because they found they're going to be building stuff out there. <laughs> That's just as compelling and interesting as the scene from the prison where they're making dinner. You know, when they're, when they're scene. making the sauce, and you know he's he you know the, all the fine details. You know, Paulie cutting the garlic with a what is it uh, a razor uh, blade. A razor blade so that it liquefies in the pan. When you arrived tonight, I was gonna jokingly be doing that at the table <laughs> and have one of my daughters like let you in, yeah. just to get your reaction. Okay. Couldn't find a razor. I would have been like, yeah, maybe we should go back to Zoom. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that scene is great. But it's I think it, that speaks to the, the genius of Scorsese that he can make a scene like that be just as compelling as the scene where, you know, Ray Liotta protects Karen by walking across the street and freaking pistol whipping the hell out of that that one dude. So, again, you know, kudos to Scorsese who helped co-write this with Nicholas uh, Pelegi, who, I, if I'm not mistaken, actually wrote the story, the book Wise Guy, which was Henry, Henry Hill's account. Um, Still haven't read it, have you? I've never read it, no. I'm surprised I... I haven't wanted to read it more over the years. Mm-hmm. Maybe because this film is so satisfying and it probably gets the most juiciest parts. Yeah. But they do throw a lot of info. I would like to see how many words this screenplay is. And I don't mean like the I mean like the actual working screenplay. Mm-hmm. Not like the original that was eventually because I guess in a lot of these scenes they did um they did a lot of improv, including that uh that scene at, at Pesci's mother's, who's really That's really uh, Scorsese's Stacey's mother. mother. Um but I guess they did a lot of improv during that scene, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now, obviously, the painting was was legit. Like they knew she was going to pull that out, and I guess there was supposed to be a line. At the now, end. was that really her painting? Is, uh, no, Scorsese's mom. Or so no? I looked into this because this is a stupid shit. I actually researched. Jesus, when we were in college, everybody had that painting as a poster on their wall. Wait, the 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 one with the guy with the two dogs in the you, boat. Oh, really? People, I saw people all over the place had that freaking thing. Ah, uh, see, I've yeah. always wanted one. Yeah, I think because I was like, I gotta, I gotta order one from uh, from Amazon. So Pelegi's mom, I guess, painted that picture. And what I thought was interesting was that I was doing a little deep dive on that painting. It's from a November 1978 issue of National Geographic about a river in Ireland, hmm. and there's this one guy who basically. A gentleman by the name of John Weaving, he retired from banking, a career in banking, and then he became something of a legend on that river, Uh, him and his two dogs, Brocky and Twiggy. And for whatever reason, because you can actually see the real photo, like if you like Google it, you can see the real photo, and it's like the exact same. You got that one dog looking one way, (laughs) one dog looking the other. So one of his dog's name is not Johnny Roast Beef? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I just I can't believe that's like a real photo that they made into a picture. Yeah, because once in a while you'll see like National Geographic issues, people giving them away on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, and I, I always forget to check for the November 1970, 1970 uh, 
eight or whatever, just so I can, you know, gift that to somebody. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I guess that was uh, so. Most of that scene was was improvised, which is fantastic. Never realized until the rewatch that De Niro uses ketchup on his pasta. Really? And I think he does it somewhere else too. Maybe in one of the Why? diners. That's weird. I think that was one of the um, De Niro was big on, and it was just was, how it looks. Or well, no, I guess like that was one of the he was in contact maybe with. Pelegi or not with maybe the original Jimmy? Maybe not the original yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, it was the original Jimmy. I okay, think maybe I saw that was that it. About, just asked him a lot of questions, and I think it was asking his wife a lot of questions. And, and I think like he that. had him on like speed dial, not speed yeah. dial, but he would call him a lot because well, this is in the 80s. Yeah, and I remember hearing that uh, Ray Liotta was constantly listening to Henry Hill's voice uh, in like audio tapes so he could get the cadence down, which is interesting because if you listen, you know, you watch the movie, that is one thing I picked up on on the rewatch is that he has a very interesting cadence in terms of how he like delivers things and how he asks questions. Like I really noticed it in the Chantix commercials, in the chest, in the Chantix (laughs) commercials. No, I really noticed it when he was talking to the FBI guys about getting relocated. He's like, I just don't want to go to any place cold. I don't know what it was, but I could feel in that moment that that sounded like that was like the voice of the real Henry Hill. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Leota sounds like no one else in not just in this film in any other film. I feel like that Chantix commercial, the first time I, I heard it. I don't think I was watching. I think I was on my phone or doing something in the other room, and you hear it, and I'm like, that sounds like freaking Leota, but older. Yep. And you go, I remember walking into the room, and it was him, and obviously he's got that smoker's voice, mm-hmm. Chantix. <laughs> but yeah, he's just, he's, there's something about, he's got a certain kind of charisma, and he's, he's tough to look away from in this film. You can't. I help. love all his outfits, too, by the way. Oh, I want yeah. every one of those freaking outfits. The. The, but when they get the house redecorated in the seventies, it oh looks my God. so garish. I mean, you know, you can look, I mean, obviously we're looking at it in the in, through the lens of twenty twenty one, but oof, right, it's seventies all the way. I you know I I feel like if I we need to talk about it, but Ray Liotta's performance in here is a powerhouse, and I feel like this I feel like this almost gets lost in the history of acne performances. Like I don't to me he should have been nominated for lead actor for as an Oscar. And I don't understand. I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe he was, but his performance runs the gamut from kind of, you know, innocent young hoodlum type situation all the way to suddenly he's, you know, in the seventies, he's, you know, distributing all this different type of cocaine. You know, he descends into like that, that drug filled world and then having to go, you know, on the stand and testify against all the people that he grew up with. I just feel like it it really kind of ranged, ran the gamut of emotions it's a much more dynamic performance than i think people give him credit for sometimes and it's tough because like we talk about a lot you have to he has to get you to like him too because mm-hmm. if you hate him this movie doesn't work this movie doesn't work and he plays the he's the softer of all of them other than that scene with the guy that the neighbor that mm-hmm. roughs up karen you don't really see him kill anybody like even with billy bats he's just holding he's looking out he's looking yeah. out for everybody he wasn't stabbing they never show shooting. him giving the boot no oh the only other time check that is in florida when him and uh oh, De Niro yeah. go down there and they rough up the guy in the back seat and then threaten to feed him to the lions yes i'm gonna feed him to the lions <laughs> and i like how they cut to the next scene. It's like they must feed each other to the lions a lot in florida because he gave things right up quick beef about that I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my conclusion if I were Henry Hill. I would think no. He coughed it up because they were just about to feed me to the line. Yeah, like that would be enough threat to. I don't think you would need to do that before. If you hold me over the frickin' lion pit, I'm gonna cough up the info you need. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, he's got to get. You gotta like him. He's got to get you to. And you really do. I mean, other than a, 
to me, it's almost like the worst thing he did morally was really was other than, I guess, not coming to the police about the deaths. But that, those are gimmies. Mm-hmm. It's really like cheat on his wife. Yeah. Who we all love because we love Lorraine Bracco and she's just fantastic in here. You're almost but more the upset. character. You're almost more upset that he's doing that than out of the like his actual criminal dealings <laughs> because you like Karen so much. <laughs> right. Which, by the way, Lorraine Bracco, another great find. And she here. wasn't nominated she, either, was she? I think she was okay. actually. I'm pretty sure she was nominated for best supporting actress. But kind of like a, a situation with Moriarty last week when we were talking about Raging Bull. Really is kind of an unknown, you know, gets cast here. A brilliant performance. Fortunately, her name has is, is kind of been ruined forever now because everyone calls people a Karen now. Like, that's the whole situation. But that's all we got. That's all we got, Karen. But it's so dynamic because you see kind of like her her innocence a little bit at so much. But she's such a, a driven, dynamic character. You know, the way she stands up to him was like, you don't stand up me, you know, on a date. And that and, scene is dynamite because she's pissed but then she does that thing where she turns around and she smiles like, you never see that yeah, in movies yeah it's gonna cost you there's you know? yeah yeah it's gonna cost you and then like the narration ta- takes over you almost don't hear what they say and then he let so there's that chemistry too right away in that scene they're all like oh like Polly walnuts from yeah. sopranos is there who incidentally is in this for like two seconds at the beginning of the yeah, film he's only got like a few scenes and they really don't explain what happens to his character but i think he's just supposed to be like a he's background just, just kind of there yeah but I but thought, yeah, that, that chemistry is dynamite, and you see it in yeah. that first scene, and going it, back and despite forth. Despite the, the, the dysfunctional relationship, I really feel like they love each other. Yes. You know, they kind of Even found, later on. Even like, yeah, because she kind of gets involved in his business, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it, like the one FBI agent, come on, Karen, you know Babe in the Woods. You know what's going on here. And obviously, he, she was, you know, she knows what the criminal underworld is. She was, just, he was dragging her around her and doing certain things here and there and stuff. And, um, but I like the fact that she's also the other half of this because aside from Ray Liotta as Henry Hill's narration, we've got her narration too, where she, you know, she says, I know something. I'd love that where she's almost like hooked into the life is where she says, I know girlfriends who would have run at the first sign if they asked, if their boyfriend asked them to hide a gun, but I was intrigued and I got to admit it turned me on. That was you know? great. I'm not going to get that from Lois. If I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ever commit that kind of? No. But I, after on the on the rewatch, and actually the last couple times I've seen this, which I've watched a couple times over the last year or whatever. Growing up, I didn't have that big of a crush on her because she has a certain there's a certain kind of old school class to her. But now that I'm getting older, I'm appreciating like her kind of all around beauty in this role, Lorraine mm-hmm. Bracco. And I'd almost put her in my top ten movie crushes, like women I'd most like to marry from a movie. I know that's a random kind of topic i'm throwing out there i'm just throwing it out there yeah. just throwing it out there that I might got be her a in itself someday that, that might be that might be or or as we you know as we were could refer to as missy mrs jesse sapola but isn't that the weirdest thing you you know this right wait no jesse sapola the syracuse guard from back from the 90s oh you mean jason sapola jason sapola they're married no that's her yeah they got married they're together didn't know that. Yeah, I remember reading that. I was like, well, that's it. Because she she's like 10, 15 years older than him or something like that. Not the age, you know. Hey, Sorry, I didn't mean wife, to be ageist there. Whatever. My wife's seven years older. Hey, man. Hey. Hey. Oh. Whoa, come on. No, but yeah. yeah. Maury, you just got to stop breaking balls over here. Just give him his money. He wants his, his money. money. I'm the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are correct. Bracco nominated Best Supporting Actress for Goodfellas. Uh she got a whole bunch of nominations that year. Golden Globe, New York Film Critics, 
L.A. film critics, Chicago film critics. Um, yeah, and her career, too. I mean, thankfully, Sopranos kind of resurrected her, mm-hmm. but I always loved her in Radio Flyer. Great movie. And uh, Medicine Man, also yes, that year. Yes, underrated jo- uh, Sean Connery film. And she kind of like kind of died out after that a few things here and there but thankfully it's almost she has an interesting trajectory yeah her you got what's his face spider oh my god why can't i think of his name tonight spider oh uh michael imperioli imperioli good grief thank you michael michael imperioli you got paulie walnuts tony sirico i believe believe also there's a quick shot of uh big pussy from sopranos in goodfellas i noticed a couple times ago it's when the famous one-shot Steadicam scene through the Copacabana. Yeah. I think... Uh, Great like, scene, by oh the way. Oh, my gosh. we got to talk about that. Definitely. He's moving like a like a, like a thing of like coats, mm-hmm. I think, out of the way. I think it's that scene. But it's yeah. definitely him. Like, he almost looks the exact same. Or the one you pointed out is Tobin Bell from the Saw franchise. Oh, my plays, gosh. I can't believe that uh, was him. Jimmy's uh, parole officer for <laughs> all of six seconds. That's what you saw it on Twitter. Yes. I posted well, I, I noticed it, too. I was like, hey, that, that's a Saw guy. Yeah, they rarely even show. Oh, and Isaiah Whitlock, I, I pointed out, from... Uh, the Five Bloods. Oh, yes. The Five Bloods. Best That's known as right. probably Senator Clay Davis from The Wire, where he says, she. She. But yeah, he's the one in the uh, the hospital at the end where Leota gets his brother out in the wheelchair and he like mm-hmm. gives him volume or something. He's like, yeah. you're looking kind of rough or whatever. Yeah. You sit sure you're all right? It. Yeah, sit out over it. He took mercy on me. And my favorite thing is your text. We're all over the board here. Yeah, tonight, we are. Fellas. Sorry. I apologize. There's just too much good stuff to get to. I don't want to get to. Okay, let's talk about Paul Servino now. No, yeah. but um, we will get to. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you mentioned in the text. You forgot, you forgot he was in this. I always do, too. Yeah. Why is that? And he's the truck driver of the Lufthansa heist <laughs> and just leaves it. <laughs> I just love that scene where he cut where uh, um, Joe Pesci's Tommy comes in. He's like, I thought you had one of your bitches in here. Oh, and, and he's like, yeah, where'd she go, man? You know, it's like, <laughs> then boom, you know, takes to the back of the head. But And that whole scene's great because he's like, let's get that coffee to go. What are you doing? I'm fucking joking over here. Leave the pot. <laughs> and Frankie Carbone plays a good idiot. Yes. I wonder if he's really like that. It makes you wonder. I don't know. But the guy, I mean, the guy who played, I got a little sidetrack story here, but oh, the, yeah, Frank yeah. Severo. Uh, who played, played played Frankie Carbone sued the Simpsons? Uh, well, lawsuit went on for years because uh, if you notice, if you've ever watched the Simpsons, there's an Italian crime gang in there, Fat Tony, um, and one of <laughs> the his Tony. stooges looks ex- well. I, he's got a point in the fact that he looks a lot like Carbone, and they basically he he basically sued the Simpsons, saying that they stole his likeness. So it, it didn't come to anything, but that is interesting, though. Yeah. Fun little fact. Hey, I want to get back to that dinner in prison scene. Okay. Because that whole scene holds holds some interesting weight in my weird little world. Did I mention it a pod or was it post pod? You've mentioned uh, you've post pod, I think. But yeah, this is an interesting story. I've, I've, I'd like not, to hear again. And it doesn't have a big hook, but it's just interesting for the time. Our three of listeners what would like to hear too. So, so yeah, <laughs> so it's like 97, 98, it's either senior year of high school, maybe the year after. And it's like one of the last times me and like four or five buddies all hung out together. We had a good crew of like maybe six or seven. Uh, I'm not sure which like four were there. Shout out to Brendan Schlinger because it was at his house and it was him. I believe Dominic Piacentini, good buddy of mine. Um, we're watching that movie and this, we had already eaten dinner. So we put the movie in. It was one of those random nights. We didn't know what to do. Summer night. I watch Goodfellas. We put it on at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. It gets to that scene like, 
I mean, that's like two hours into it almost, maybe an hour and a half into it. So you're talking like maybe 10, 10, 30. We watch that scene, dinner in prison. They're getting it all prepared. Leota goes to whoever he knows. He's got the big bag of the wine and the bread. Uh, and then it made us so hungry. They were like, everybody else, everybody else hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. I could eat. My buddy Schlinger whips up like a big thing of pasta. I think we had some meatballs. We sat down at a big table. We got all into it, not realizing that. Not only were we hungry, we were Don't kind put of, too much onions in it. We were <laughs> subtly mimicking like what we just saw. Yeah. And I don't know, it was just like it was just kind of a fun thing that you look back on now and you think cuz some of those guys actually remember that. Like remember when we had like that big thing of pasta and and it, it added a little bit of spice too because it was it was late night. And it was like again, it was one of the last times like maybe 3 or 4 of those guys ever hung out at once. So I, that holds some special meaning. To the, to me that's the power of cinema and that's why I love movies so much is that how sometimes movies can connect to certain points in your life, certain important points in your life where you know you have a great story like that where you're sitting down with some friends and you know this inspires you to get some food. And for you and, it, it thinks of the time you were in prison. Yes, yeah, so of course, you know, we don't want to go into that. Um, <laughs> but I mean it's it's weird how things like that get tied up. You know, we talk about some of our favorite movie experiences. I remember telling you about the Fellowship of the Ring and how I just distinctly, vividly remember, or just when I saw Back to the Future the first time with my dad, and how much of a seminal moment that was with me, and or even like a weird one to me is uh, I associate the movie Tucker and Dale versus Evil with my son because when he was in the hospital and we, he was in the NICU for about a week, I was with him one day and he I was just kind of holding him. He was asleep and that was the movie I was watching on my phone. So it's weird that you, you know, how you connect certain hey, films to certain remember. events. And that's just, and that's, to me, that's the beauty of film. It's just like with music or books or things like that. Certain things like that, I think, come, come to you at, at certain points in your life when you need them to, too. Well said, sir. Well articulated. And maybe that's a good chance to pivot to Mr. Paul Servino, mm. a.k.a. Pauly Cicero. Pauly Cicero. Uh, he's dynamite all the way through. It's like this big grizzly bear like guy next door you yep. love. Like I love the first time that they introduce him. Everybody's screwing around outside the shop he there. He just walks out, doesn't <laughs> say a word. <laughs> you see Henry like looking out of the window. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. He just looks. Everybody shuts up, and then he just walks back in. Yep. But in here, it's great, too, because he's like, what does he say? He's like, you know, Leota's like, I got the bread. He's like, oh, good, fresh. You know, he throws it to him. Yeah. He catches it. Good, fresh. Eat. He goes, good. Now we can eat. Beautiful. Got the wine, the red, the white. Beautiful. Let's eat. And then he goes, what does he say? He goes, we got to have, have sandwiches tomorrow. We got to lose some weight or something like that. I just, I love. <laughs> He's worried about his weight. My best, the best line I think that can be said about Polly was when Ray Liotta's character of Henry Hill says, Polly move slow, but that's only because Polly didn't have to move for anybody. And I just, I love that line. And just the, the, the looks and the nods, you know, like he, you know, he, Paul Servino is a brilliant actor. He really And he is. does so much with just nods and gestures and looks. And I think one of the, one of the most impressive ones to me is where he's, I forget what the guy's name is, but he's the owner of that restaurant that, you know, uh, Tommy basically kind of beats up a little bit because he goes and tries to get his, you know, he's got $7,000 tab. And, you know, Paul Servino goes, what do you want to do? Tommy's a bad kid. He's a bad seed. What do you want him to do? Shoot him? And he guy, the guy, the guy goes, well, maybe not be, be a bad idea. And the look on his face that just goes from kind of half amused, half annoyed to, I'm going to fucking kill you look on his face is just so, wow, just such a change in two seconds. Did you see the background on that scene? There was... I told you I did no research for this movie. There was, <laughs> and now I did all this research like a week ago, and I can't remember shit about it. 
but I guess that was there was a lot of improv there too, mm-hmm. where I don't think Sorvino, Sorvino knew exactly what that one guy was going to say. So it kind of threw him off a little bit. So he kind of had to go on instinct, mm-hmm. acting instinct. But I love the looks he gives over to Ray Liotta. Yeah. That's like, to me, that's brilliant about that scene where he's kind of looking at him like, oh, what does he want from me? I think he does it three times. He looks over at Leota as that other guy's talking yeah. to him. Like that's how you would yeah, do in a conversation like, when there's like, three people. This guy, you're like, not just always like, looking at the, like, the guy talking to you. You're yeah. looking over to that third guy. You're bringing him into the conversation just by the look. And Leota doesn't even say anything. He's just kind of like, yeah. Man. And you gotta you gotta love some of the camera work in this with those certain scenes like that, especially when it comes to Pauly, because. Michael Ballhouse, who died just about four years ago, his cinematography in this is bar none. It's some of the best in the history of film, as far as I'm concerned. But I love, like, early on when they're talking about Polly and he, do, you know, doesn't use phones and he's just, you know, conversations and they're at, you know, at the, at the um, you know, like a cookout and the one guy's moving between two guys to him and you just see Polly give a nod and the camera pans from Polly over to the two guy, guys that give another nod and right from there you re- reel into the scene where young Henry, I think, is blowing up cars, you know, putting Molotov cocktails and it's just such a dynamic sensory aspect of it there's so many incredible camera tricks in this you know even that scene there's that you know when we get into the 70s and you see that situation where henry does that one line of coke and the camera just kind of zooms in on him yeah it was just like it's almost like it's like that scene from jaws with chief brody where you know the he suddenly sees the shark out in the ocean famous like for the first time vertigo trick yes yeah yeah it looks exactly like that we're just i mean we might as well just talk about it that the, the the tracking shot that goes from, uh, you know, from outside of the Copacabana all the way through the inner styles. And then it's almost like looking at the parting of the Red Sea. Like, this is like a famous a actor. Ball. They're just walking through. He's like, hey, you know, brother well met. You know, every, every you, you, you two, always you two, whenever I'm in here. Every time you two, every, every time. time. And they just randomly get a... a, a Don't a, you work? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, randomly get a, a table for him, sits down. And then she's like, what do you do? He's like, I'm in construction. You know, and it's such a it's such a wonderful it's one of those things that if you're a true cinephile and you don't put up put this up as one of the some of the best camera work for a particular scene in movie history. I really question your judgment. If it's almost it's eye candy, especially for those who let's say they're old enough to maybe have seen Raging Bull and you love the camera work that. These guys did the decisions of the camera work that went into the boxing scenes. And you said, man, I, 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 I'd love to see a whole movie with this kind of artistry. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? You got it. And you got it with Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the that's that's what's so paramount about that camera work is that one scene. And it's it, what's cool, too, is it's not only the difficulty in pulling that off, which I guess didn't take as many tries as one would think. But I could be wrong. I don't know the exact number of tries, but um is the little things that, like, Leota does, too. He's having fun. And we didn't mention it earlier, and we'll get back into the camera work. I'm just going to do a quick pivot here. But Leota's having fun throughout this whole film. He's constantly laughing, and I know he's got that it's really... Like high, that laugh, that... Very distinct laugh. It's we almost first saw maniacal. It dreams. It's almost Joker maniacal in yeah. some ways. Yeah, we see it multiple times in this film, at least six or seven times. But he's just having fun in scenes where... Someone of his power is supposed to be having fun. Like, he's not afraid to let loose a little bit. Maybe that's a Leota thing. Maybe that's a Scorsese thing. I don't know. But you see it a lot in that one shot or in that steady cam shot. Like, he's bumping into people. He's saying hi to this person. At one point, he bumps into, like, the side of a, 
of like the 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 stove or yeah. something. It's almost as if it throws them off, and they keep it going. Which is, re- and even if that was a mistake, that's it that's works. not a mistake because it's realistic. You're, right. you're in amongst all these you know different people. You know they got. Um, you know, waiters coming and going. You got cooks. You got you know people dishwashing. Of course, if you're in something that crowded, yeah, you're 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 you know, gonna feel that way. And what's funny is is the fact that you, you almost have to watch that scene twice to see, well, a couple times actually to see appreciate the brilliance of it and how it goes through as a tracking shot to see it from the perspective of Henry, who's walking in through this whole thing as if, he, as if he's done this a thousand times before. Literally walking in like he owns the joint. And what does he say? say oh, I like going this way. Yeah. And, but then you can watch it again and look at it from the perspective of Karen, who is totally starstruck and is being like, led a, it's like being led through a, a, a chanted forest or something into this glamorous world. And even, even she kind of mentions that when she's, you know, she's in her wedding. She's like, by the end, I felt drunk. You know, and you see all that huge line of people coming to give her cash, and a little, little got, something to start you off. Yeah, a little Karen. something to start you off. Everybody's named Peter and Paul, this and every, Paul. all their, all their <laughs> wives. Even he messes he's it up. Like, he's like, even I mess it. Yeah, he's like, I wonder if that was intentional. Everyone's named Marie. You know, right? No, but that um, I got that study cam shot too. Is and the the opening shot is I think him giving the cab driver money or the valet money, and then the song kicks in the. I'm trying to think of the the title of it. Walked up to me and he asked me if I wanted to dance. Oh yeah, um, but that the choice of that song too is brilliant because Scorsese throughout the whole thing, of course, picks movies or songs that are from that year or at least close by or mm-hmm. a little bit after, and it really matches the moment. But that one really adds to it. And I like how you said you can watch it. Yeah, watch it from go on YouTube and find the scene. But you watch it from Leota's perspective, you watch it from hers, and then almost watch it a third time and just watch like all the other characters that are in the shot. Even in the kitchen, there's a couple cooks that are laughing and joking around. Leota, there's a couple times where he says stuff to Karen. I don't know what he's saying. He's saying something, you can tell. But you can't you can't tell because you're you're so paying attention to the shot. And the music's so loud. Like they really ratchet up the sound there. And I think they turn it down a little bit when they get into the club. Yep. And then the one guy goes, Anthony, come here. And Anthony's got the table, some random guy named Anthony, which is funny by itself, the fact that they included the guy's name. They could have just said, hey, come here. He goes, Anthony. So so they bring the table out. And then when they give the, uh, what is it, the drink, the bottle of wine, Mm -hmm. he goes, hey, it's from these guys over here. I forget the name. Literally two feet away. (laughs) Two feet away, the camera pans over. That was some subtle humor there. Mm -hmm. There's just so much to watch. This is a scene you can watch like 17 times in a row and find 14 things different every time. And it's a it's a testament to how being in that lifestyle and having people know who you are commands a certain amount of respect. Because Henry Hill obviously isn't a made guy because as they talk about in the film, he's not full blooded Italian. But they know the people he works for, so to speak. And that's why I always love that line where he said uh, something like, one day, all the kids in the neighborhood took all my, my, my mom's groceries home, like four blocks or something. He's like, you know why? Out of respect. I love the way he says that. The um, one thing we don't really talk about, or a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about that steady camp shot is, there's a second major one, too, in that film, and I just spit on myself. Um, we're eating pretzels, by the way, here yep. in the People's Republic of Veronica. So if you hear us chomping, we're not making out. We're eating pretzels. It's sourdough, not sponsored. The second steady camp shot yes. in this is where Henry is introducing us to all the knucklehead yes. characters. That's really one shot too. Yep. Which they don't, which we don't really. And it's interesting. It's the a Bronx Tale, which came out just a couple years later. 
pretty much rips this off, or it's kind of like an homage. But they do the same thing, too, because there are certain people who I almost confuse who's in which movie. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite character? I, I go get my dad, like, I, I got to go get the papers. Was, the papers. Nick, Nick, and then he does that he, thing he does with his head. With the, with the, yeah, with his head, with his, like he's adjusting <laughs> his, his his tie. Yeah, Nikki two times, I think. Is his right, name. right, right. Um, and then it's like one is like Tommy the Wop. I mean, like there's like Johnny the Killer. I mean, it's like some of them are like I think Johnny Roast Beef. I just the name is just amazing. Wait, did to they me. say it in that scene or yeah, was that I think later there on? Yeah, uh, Johnny Roast Beef. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then later on, he's the one that's like you know he gets the his car. wife gets. It's, like, the... it's in my mother's name. What? What did you say? What? You, you, that's great De Niroisms <laughs> yeah. right there. There's a whole lot of De Niroisms there. What? What? Are you being a smart ass mm-hmm. or something? Um, but yeah, so many great, so many great. So many great scenes there. Here's a uh, here's a hot take of sorts, and I want to kind of get your take. And it's going to sound really hot at first, but it cools down the more you think about it. Okay. Of the big four in here, not including Lorraine Brock, but maybe I'll include her. So we'll say the big five, meaning the stars, so to speak. So you got Leota, Pesci, Servino, De Niro, Bracco. I would almost argue, and I hate to say it because I love De Niro, De Niro of those five maybe the most replaceable meaning if you were if you had to say if you had to break the news to scorsese that hey look so and so can't make it forget like marketing and all that stuff just in terms of legacy as great as de niro is in certain scenes i could almost see that see that character almost being taken away or someone else being plugged in if only because those other four are just so dynamite. Pesci has to be. It's got to be between Pesci and Leota for MVP of this. Yeah, I, I think. I honestly think Leota's maybe just a step above of Pesci, oh, Pesci. but he definitely earns. It's in my myth, but he earned that Academy Award. Or at least De Niro was the most. I would, least valuable I, of the five. I don't see like his performance is great, but I could see Harvey Keitel stepping in that role and being just as good. Yes, I mean right. and that, that's not. It's it's. It's not like a situation from last week with Raging Bull. No, right. Nobody could have played no. Jake LaMotta like De Niro did in that Tom film. Tom Selleck. I, no. I, I would argue the same thing about his role in Cape Fear. Yeah. I mean, awesome I, I think that's a performance to me that gets oftentimes forgotten about in the in the annals of, of Robert De Niro. I always forget that's a Scorsese film. Yeah, it is a Scorsese film. Uh, and I love the fact that the Goodfellas kind of kicked off the Renaissance, almost like the it's like witness the rebirth of Martin Scorsese. Not that yes. he had a terrible, you know, '80s, but I mean, you're, you're talking about he does Raging Bull. After that, it's uh, um, the Kings of Comedy, which is in you know in hindsight has been somewhat revered as, as a great film. He does a Screwball comedy in '85, and then he, and he does eight, you know he does love that uh, term. The the Last Temptation of Christ was obviously you know got him Best Director nomination, and you know had some aspects to it but was very controversial but you come back with goodfellas and it's it's almost feels it's this movie that everybody gravitated towards everyone's like you got to see this you know and it's it gets held up in high regard as the epitome of gangster films and rightly so but after this i mean it's off to the races for scorsese you got you've got cape fear you've got age of innocence you've got casino you've got kundun (laughs) you've got gangs of new york and bringing out the the dead i hated that I, I have to say, say I, like, I was just, eh, it was just, eh. it's lesser Scorsese, yeah. a little bit. Which to me, lesser Scorsese is still better than most of the Jamokes out there. You know? <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it just takes off from there. So, yeah, yeah, and it really is. I don't know. I keep thinking there's more out there. Aviator, Gangs of New York, Departed, Shutter Island, Hugo. 
I'm just going in order here. Wolf of Wall Street, 2013. Silence, those two last two we'll be doing. The Irishman and then Killers of the Flower Moon. I know, how long is this guy going to go? What else has he got in him? I kept thinking with The Irishman, man, Ray Liotta really should have been in there. That would have been such a great... Because this kind of was almost... The Irishman almost was a swan song for this whole crew. That was kind of how it was billed. Maybe that was just bullshit. I think it's maybe swan song for gangster films for, for Scorsese. And it was It's like getting the whole gang back together. Yeah. But Leota, man, how do you leave Leota out of there? He I does look quite a lot different, though, now. Yes, Did he you does. you see him in the trailer for the... Uh, Sopranos prequel. Oh, which we, he's got like I'm, gray I'm hair. I'm assuming that's going to coming up in recommendations, possibly. Oh but, yeah, but we'll talk about that. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a super hot take because I think if you talk about the the top five of De Niro performances, I don't know if this one's in there. Honestly. Right, movies maybe like De Niro yeah. movies. I'm sure, film, could, sure performances, yeah. which is not to say this performance is bad. It's great. He, it's it's really great. It's just I I kind of see where you're coming from on like could he have been replaceable in this case. Possibly. But I think Pesci on the rewatch, and I know this is like super obvious, but it's it's amazing how explosive he is and how much tension, even when you know what's happening, there still seems like, of course, the, of, you know, obviously the how am I, why am I funny, how am I funny yeah. scene. We all know what's going to happen. He doesn't do anything to Henry. But what it's am I still a clown? Tense. Like I amuse you? I'm here to be a clown? And I guess everybody <laughs> else in that room didn't know he was going to, well, like how that was going to play out. Really? So that Including really does. Including Leota? Leota knew. Oh, okay. Pesci knew. Everybody else, I guess, That's didn't good. know the, you know, like well, the he's script a big boy. He can say, <laughs> you know, he can say. Everybody's really like keyed like, in. You can feel the tension. Like it's a. You really dr- can. A, I mean, you know, that old cliche, cut the tension with a knife. But holy shit! And the, not just that scene. There's another one, or maybe it's is it part of that one? Forgive me. When the one, uh, oh no, it's, it is the other scene when the the restaurant owner comes in, the manager, yeah. right? And he. And, He's asking him about the bill, and Pesci like grabs his tie and breaks the bottle over his head. There's some really intense moments there. It's funny how he can just that character can flip the switch between jovial to outright rage yes. in like two seconds. And, and he's you kinda, funny too. You he kind of see funny. that, and that's why that he's funny. <laughs> uh, but that's why that scene. I mean, that's one of the scenes that kind of makes the performance for for me because you see that. It's all his his character is performing an act. He's like I'm screwing with this guy, but I but people know me and my attitude that I can make this look like I'm not screwing with him. And I'm curious if that was in the book, like did that really happened. I don't know, but I if, haven't heard if it was. I just love in the. It's so funny how he can flip it so quickly because you're right. He kind of chokes out the the guy who he owes seven G's to, and he's and then he comes back and he goes, "You want to laugh? This asshole last week asked me to christen his kid." Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they all start laughing. Like, but then the one guy, and after Pesci gives the one guy the business, there's that bartender just like kind of standing there, and Pesci looks at him, and I'm imitating it now, and he kind of looks back, and goes, "What? What the fuck are you looking at?" Yeah. And everybody else laughs. Like that's what somebody would say in that situation. There's a certain level of authenticity there where, and again, Pesci was. We talked about it last week on the Raging Bull podcast. Him and Frank Vincent, I guess, had this little like comedy duo thing, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Billy Bats. Had this comedy duo thing. thing. Things didn't work out. He was in one movie before Raging Bull with Frank Vincent. And then, of course, it's, you know, after Raging Bull, there's 10 years before this one again, before Goodfellas. And it's like, wow, all those years, he could have made so many more pictures. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. But then Goodfellas comes around. He's got Home Alone right before that. And then there's just an absolute onslaught of really dynamic performances. Gone fishing with Danny Glover? 
I love my cousin Vinny. Didn't he win or was at least nominated? Uh, Marissa Tomei won. Marissa Tomei won. But I was like, it, there was a great story I heard about him deciding to come back for the Irishman because, I mean, when the. And he was dynamite in there. And he was dynamite there. You know, when the Irishman comes out in 2019. The last time he'd been in a Scorsese film was 1995 with Casino. Hadn't worked with them for almost 25 years. Had been pretty much retired for almost, what, 10, 15 years or more. And I guess he was at, uh, Scorsese was trying to get him to be in this role. And he was at some party. And I guess he's kind of decent friends with Stephen Dorff. Or at least kind of tangentially knows him. And they were at this party and... And he was talking to Stephen Dorff, and he's like, you know, what do you what do you think about this? And and he's like, he's like, he's like, Joe, this is a no brainer. Every time you you get together with Marty, it's like dynamite. It's 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 beautiful. And I guess I guess Pesci like slapped him and said, Ah, you don't know what you're talking about, Dorff. Like it was a joke slap. And then oh. as as they're leading as they're as they're leaving the party, he goes he goes, you know, Dorff, you're right. He's like, you know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I'm going to do this film. <laughs> <laughs> Pesci's got to be so much fun at parties. Mm. We talked a little bit about last week how he is, he's subtly, subconsciously almost typecast. Like people don't really talk about it that much, but in, in, in your mind almost, like you and me, knee jerk reaction is okay, he's typecast a little, but then when you take that second layer of thought, no, he's not at all because he's really different, other than Casino, and I bitched about this last week. He, he's pretty much the same guy in freaking Casino as he is in here. Somewhat. Let's be honest. Yeah, but I mean, the, like to say that his performance as uh, Tommy in Goodfellas is the same as his performance as Joey in in Raging Bull is totally bullshit. different. It's yes. not. I mean, they're totally different. Or even JFK or yeah, like a, JFK and Don't Laugh, the Lethal Weapon film. JFK, his performance in JFK as David Ferry, which we're going to be doing that film later <laughs> in the year, is phenomenal to me. It's one of those ones that I saw a completely different side of Joe Pesci, and I went, "Wow, this, this is not good. tough guy Joe Pesci." You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and he's not tough guy Joe Pesci and my cousin Vinny and Home Alone. He's kind of like a little bit on the goofball side, mm-hmm. but he's he's got a little more toughness to him. But yeah, he just I think he just shows a lot in this film. And there's even times where I don't want to say tender moments, but the scene at the dinner scene with his mom mm-hmm. after they kill Billy Bats, the whole painting scene. There's a few tender little moments there. That, that scene with his mom just before he goes to, thinks he's going to be made. Or even you know that. he's in a cell yeah. and he's like you know I love you, mom, and there's this kind of beautiful thing he's getting let out, and she's so happy for him. And you know what's funny is that I don't know if you remember this or not when you first saw it, but I did not see it coming. And I should have seen it coming. It's about him getting off? Yeah, getting off. Like I don't even remember. It's, it's like so he long. walks into that garage and nobody's there. And I, it's one of those things, if you watch it at the same time, like maybe the first time, you almost realize at the same time he's us. Like, oh, shit. Oh, you know, yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna kill I him. I now wonder if it's obvious. It, you know what? I, I picked up on something on this last go-around that kind of, I don't want to say made it obvious, but kind of tipped me off and I think 100% was intentional. If you'll notice, right before this scene is the famous scene with the Layla song where it shows all the people, that the bodies that are being found, that Jimmy had people whacked after the Lufthansa heist, like Carbone and Frenchie and Johnny Roast Beef with his wife in the car and all that stuff. You'll notice that... When he's being taken into the garage, you know, even when he's picked up, being taken in the garage, everything that's going through there, the song is still playing. So it's almost like a subtle indication that he's he's about to meet a demise just like they did. I never really thought about that, and it makes me want to watch this film, if you could find somebody out there who hasn't seen it yet, to kind of get a sense of, do they know what's coming? Mm-hmm. And wasn't there another mention of... 
Oh no, that was later when Leota's like, I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't wise guys because if it was wise, wise guys don't talk like that. It's oh, like, and the cops arrest yeah, him when he's yeah, pulling out of the drive. That was after though. Your, your something like your killers come with smiles. I think was the line that he said. Yeah, but I would have been dead. I just, I just love that when he says that he goes, it was revenge for Billy Bats and a lot of other things. So you kind of makes you want to explore the book. It makes you want to explore the book, but it's you know as as upset as uh, Jimmy gets i mean because he breaks down crying when he finds out that they whacked him um <laughs> a lot of de niro face in there not a de niro face there you almost it's it's in in their mind it, I, I can't think for one second that the characters themselves when they heard that it happened didn't at least it's somewhere in the back of their minds going i kind of expected this yeah you know just knowing the type of guy he is i mean you're really gonna make a guy who's that much of a hothead and a cowboy i mean it's right. one thing to be able to i mean here's the thing it, it's one thing to have you, you to be a capo and to lead is is one thing you got to have some toughness and everything but you can't be a psychopath you're not going to get right. anything done you know you can't have constantly having blood feuds and all that other shit going around and what's so ridiculous is complete buffoonery when they do kill bats it's dumb not because you're killing a made man mm-hmm. that's not the dumb part to me it's the fact that bats has got at least three people i believe it's two dudes and the one lady in there with them, and then they leave. So of course they're gonna. They're, they saw the fight between him and Tommy. Yeah. Of course they're gonna go back. They're and gonna go, put two and two together. It ain't. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how the the following scene after that when it's with him and Paul. Yeah, I know you're going. And, and, and he's just like, you hear about that thing? The what Brooklyn thing? thing? What the Brooklyn thing? No, the other thing. What the thing downtown? No, 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 no. This guy with this deal bats. You know, I, I just love that that's, part. And that's the way. Like, I which feel thing like, are you talking about? They don't right. want to. It's like they don't want to verbalize some act of murder that's right. going on. And you get you <laughs> get caught up in the the, the weird laws and contradictions of the Cosa Nostra in this. Like, I love the fact that Polly comes to uh, Henry with Jimmy, and they sit him down because Karen's freaked out and came over to him. Great scene. And, and just said, you know, listen, you got to make this right. You, I'm not saying you got to go, you can't got to go back there today, but you got to go back. He's like, what, the best is like, what are we going to, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You're not, an, you're not going to get a divorce. You're not an Amelia. So saying animal, you're not an animal not an in Italian. Animal, and I'm like, like you're saying getting a divorce is being you're an animal. Talk about a total lack of self-awareness. <laughs> The way they kind of interact too, I, that would that's another scene I thought on the rewatch where I would love to sit down and watch this with somebody who hasn't seen it before. Would they think Leota's going to get whacked there? Now we know because we're mafia movie fans, they don't just come in. That's yeah. how it's done. But I could see how if you've never seen it before, maybe there's just enough tension where you think maybe something's going to happen because this girl, the one, the girl that he's cheating on with Bracco, she takes a hike, right? She leaves, mm-hmm. and they both kind of sit down. What's great about that scene is it's such a representation of them str- being able to say something to someone without directly coming out and say it. You know, they're not, it's, <laughs> you know, it says, nobody's saying that you can't do what you want to do. No, you do what you want to do. But this doesn't look good. You got to go back. Because it's, it's not about, it's almost like they're emphasizing this isn't the personal aspect of things. What you do in your life is your personal business. This is affecting the family. Yeah. This is going to mess shit up for other people. So you got to, you know, come correct and deal with this. So these guys are all a part of the Lucchese crime family, which I guess, did they even mention that name in this? I don't think so. I only so. know it from the The real research. name is Paulie Vario, I think, was the actual. Which is funny because you got Paul Servino playing Paul Cicero, yep. 
who's based on Paul Vario. Who, don't Google this guy. He's really gross looking. <laughs> he looks like a freaking pedophile. Which a lot of these guys actually do and after, like, the 1960s. Jimmy they looked Con- cool in the Luciano days. Yeah. And then everybody went downhill, man. Yeah. Everybody started looking like Brimley on Coke or something. It's like, it kind of reminds me. The, one of the funny things I liked about the Irishman was they, they did the almost like an MTV video thing of what the people died of shot and whatever. Except the one dude is like, oh, yeah. it's like Tommy DeVecchio. Everybody liked him. Died of old age at 92. <laughs> right, right. There's that scene I mentioned easier when Cicero goes, you know anything about this fucking restaurant business? And then Sonny, the one manager, is like, he knows everything about it. I mean, he's in the joint 24 hours a day. I mean, another fucking few minutes, he could be a stool. That's how often he's in there. (laughs) There's little lines like that that just keep popping up. And there's so, it's everywhere. It's every little scene. Like you mentioned that that scene, you wouldn't even notice it the first couple of times is the day after the bats thing when Polly calls Leota mm. over. Yeah. There's a lot of scenes like that. You don't even pick up on it until later. Where And there's a couple of scenes, too, that are similar to that where they say, hey, that thing. I, t- I talked to you about that, I did that thing for yeah, you. That, 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 thing, that thing's t- oh, the, when they're introducing everybody. Yeah, they, they say, say it there. What I always wanted, wanted to know... Oh, and the, Luf, the Lufthansa heist. The Lufthansa heist. When there's an update on that when Leota comes over to De Niro. It's like, and yeah. And they talk about it. It's very, like, pronounced. You don't want to talk about it too much. Hey, that thing. That thing. I always wanted... It's funny, too, to, to look at this movie. I always wanted to find out... I know this sounds weird, but how actual gangsters felt about this film. If they felt it was very realistic or if they actually, like, appreciated this movie even more because it had some type of realism to it or if they if they felt it was, you know, you know, maybe an exposure they didn't want or something. I always wanted to find that out. I never I never, I, never I actually think wasn't going to track down a gangster and ask their opinion. But. There was, that's something to research is the Rochester mob wars in like the 1980s and 1970s. Absolutely insane. Some really insane stuff. To the point where my dad would take me past certain this one restaurant that used to be over on Empire Boulevard here in Irondequoit, where somebody was like shotgunned to death as they were walking into this restaurant called the Blue Gardenia, uh, famous kind of now hitman. the Red Gardenia. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, little things like that. I was like, wow, that really that stuff really went on. Even like here in Rochester, they was like, yeah, it was all over the papers. Really crazy stuff. But that's an early recommendation. We'll get back to that yes, later. In but the papers, in the papers. I gotta <laughs> think if I'm a gangster and I see this, this makes me look good. Like mm-hmm. this makes you look. Let's be honest. This. You want to be, other than the deaths and stuff, you want to be in that life, it's, especially the first glamorous. half. There is a lot of glamour. It's a lot of like, a lot of just, let's be honest, there's a lot of frat type hanging out, playing cards. Like that first like half hour, 45 minutes, a lot of playing cards. They got their little, their little shops that they're in all the time. They're paying people off. They're doing robberies. Nobody's dying yet. Pretty glamorous. Well, it's even like these, like Henry says, to live any other way was nuts to us. You know, not we, yeah. we didn't want to be those nine to five schlubs pushing papers for like no money. You know, <laughs> right. that's that that's kind of how that that's presented. And what's interesting to me too is the fact that you know Martin Scorsese gets a lot of shit because they feel everyone says he glorifies violence. I never really have felt that way. I have felt Agreed. like all the violence he ever does is so raw and brutal and in your face that it's off-putting. It's not like, you know, it's not like a Rambo film or some set of Steven Seagal where you take the guy out in it two seconds. It feels like you want It lingers, and it's in your face, and it's brutal. I mean, when when Billy Bats is getting the shit stomped out of him, you feel that. In, and in no way, shape, or form did I ever feel like that's a glorified you doing your De Niro face over here. It's killing me. <laughs> 
But yeah, the bats, that bat scene, the stabbing in the car trunk, which really they show twice, that was probably the most disturbing. Yeah. You, that, hasn't really, that wasn't really shown in film before. No. If you think about it. I mean, even the beatdown, I'm sure there's some scene you could find somewhere. Not, that was some of the most violent scenes on film that I can think of. And the thing, too. Even like the, the uh, breaking the gun over the freaking neighbor's yeah. face. That's he, brutal. The thing about what it, what it comes the spider down, shooting, yeah, and the spider shooting. And when it comes down to Scorsese and violence, what almost makes it off putting, by is the fact that it's so personal, it's yeah. so in your face. It's it's not, you know, just some kind of grand idea of of violence. It is right there, raw and emotional. You are in the action of itself. I mean, you look at the camera work when he's getting stomped it's from billy bats's perspective where those legs are coming down on your friggin face you know and this is a good way to look at here's a good perspective too do you like or dislike tommy after these bouts of violence and you dislike him after that and because of that that kind of proves that scorsese is not glorifying violence right because if you walked out of there going good i don't like bats anyway you don't really think that no you think like oh this guy's kind of a schmuck for busting his balls but but you're kind of it's it's off. It's disturbing. It's almost you like Very Tommy disturbing. when he's in the jovial mood, but you know right. that this is a bad guy. You don't want to. You, you don't want to get on his bad side. And I would want to hang out with him because of that fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, especially like those those cyber, those uh, those spider scenes. All right, here's some rewatch revel- revelations. Things I either never realized or didn't give him much thought about until recently. The '50s '60s vibe transforming into the '70s early '80s cocaine era. I saw it before. I noticed it. It didn't really pop out at me before. Like, now it's, like, super obvious. Like, oh, of course. But I really like the transition into music, too. Or before you got the doo-wop 1950s type type stuff, Bobby Darin, whatever. And then it really gets into, like, the Rolling Stones. You know, obviously they play Layla and some of that type stuff. So I really like that transition. Henry Hill's brother when they're younger. He's in the wheelchair and yep. that dinner. Never picked up on that before. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. we mentioned. Tobin Bell we mentioned. Also, no shots of New York City, really. No skyline exteriors, yet we still know it's New York City. Yeah. But I almost feel like you could have, if there's one, it's not even a nitpick. It's almost less than a nitpick. It's half a nitpick. I would have liked to have seen a couple, maybe shots of the Brooklyn Bridge or some kind of, maybe they just didn't have time. Maybe it was a real estate thing. Because there's a lot of shit in here. You didn't have to And you don't show, need it. You, you don't, don't need it. You don't have you don't to show it. New York City, because that's, it's almost implied, and it's, they You're do the captions, at, too, like Queens, yeah. New York, 1970. Yeah. You're looking at the life itself, too, the, right. the people involved. And it's, and I think the idea is maybe to have the focus be on the family and be on the people that are surrounding Henry's orbit. It, it, unlike, say, for example, Gangs of New York, where 1860s New York City is very much a character in itself. Mm-hmm. Because it's not just about the gangs in New York. It's also about what the city was like at the time, the politics involved. The bribery, Tammany Hall, the greed, you know, the violence, everything like that, slavery, civil war. It's not the same here situation here with Goodfellas. Yeah. According to music editor Christopher Brooks, Scorsese had already planned out the songs he wanted three years before production began. This has to be Scorsese's best film music-wise, right? I think so. And I love the fact, and you've kind of touched on it already, is the fact that he uses music that's representative of the era he's talking about and it advances as the years advance which 
one of the things I know I got a friend who the thing that drives him the most drives him batshit is when music song songs uh, get dropped into like period period pieces that are not from that century or whatever. Like he hates that shit. It like just drives him. What up was the, the one? Wall. Oh, a Knight's Tale. There was a, oh wasn't yeah, there like modern it was rock like in there. Had Queen in it. And yeah, stuff. I remember it thinking was, this is awkward. This yeah, doesn't it was, work. It, I mean, you really sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, Quentin Tarantino, somehow it usually, stuff, shit like that works. Not always the case with others, but yeah, the, the music aspect in this, the soundtrack is, is just dynamite from start to finish. Uh, I forget what the song that it ends with. I think it's by Sid Vicious, I want to say. Oh, it's a version of... Um, uh, I made it uh, New York, My New York. Way. Yeah, above My Way. And I almost didn't notice it until a couple watches ago. Because the lyrics are, like, distorted and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, that's My which, Way. Which is almost perfect, because the whole maybe your whole perceptions of what it's like to be a gangster has been distorted until you see the reality behind the film itself and i always i forget there's a famous cowboy movie and i can't remember the name of it is where because you notice at the end of the film uh tommy comes back for that brief second where he like looks right into the camera and does bang bang Fires bang. The gun. it's from a a, a film in the 1910s or 19 aughts that's like a silent cowboy film where that oh. happens at the end where like one of the the villain that was died in the cowboy film comes back at the end of the reel and like shoots it and i just remember the fact that people at the time audiences like that scared the shit out of them because they felt like they the, the, this character came back and like oh they almost felt like is this you know because film was so new at the time it was like is Fascinating. This a, yeah it's a real it's that's was a nod to that earlier film I, for the life of me i can't think of the name of it though Article in The Guardian said, quote, While the acclaimed 1990 gangster drama has been viewed by some as a bro fantasy, a closer look shows an elegant and brutal dissection of male ego. Has this movie been viewed as a bro fantasy? And do you consider this a dissection of male ego? My answer, no for both. Uh, smells like what I like to call classic movie criticism garbage here. I never really... I, I think that's kind of like a, that's a, a lame... Bro. Bro fantasy? Hey, I, don't, right? I don't know. I never think of this as a bro fantasy. I don't think so either. You know what? Even maybe, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, it, we'll get into that one because yes. I have some hot. I have some. I'm always been in the opinion that films, all f- movies, are subjective. But that's a film where I feel like you think they're pushing the people didn't get it. <laughs> you almost yeah. didn't get the point of the film. But we'll get into that when we do it a couple weeks from now. Uh I never saw this as a bro movie. I don't see that. This is. Um, but the Guardian, that is like a UK. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe they, the way they There's perceive movies, different perspective. Because this, when let's be honest, this is not this is distinctly American film, and right. even more so, it's a distinctly Italian American film, and even more specifically, it's an, a distinctly Italian American New York City film. It's a slice of life, and you don't. I never thought. Whenever I think of like these bro movies that they talk about, I always think of like surfer dudes who are like high fiving each other. It's like, oh, that chick's hot, man. You know, I don't think about that when I think about Goodfellas, and a dissection of male ego. I don't feel like he was. Again, I, I think you're looking. Listen, there's, there's lots of male themes personalities here. here. Yeah, you're putting a strange critical lens to this if you're saying that this is a dissection of male ego. Right. This is a representation of. The gangster life in uh, the Italian mafia, Cosa Nostra, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, into the 80s, from a guy who lived it. So I don't see how it's either one of those things. Ray Liotta should have had a better career. That's one of my major takeaways for this. Had a good, had a good career. Loved him in Copland. No escape. 
one of my favorite action films, kind of forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that the one where he goes to the island and he's a prisoner? Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Freaking love that film. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's kind of, I don't want to say it's depressing. I, I, I think it's a case of... Is it your old take where you say, like, who was his agent? <laughs> Fire that man. <laughs> It's like you you've my, said that a couple times. My, my, I think I there's always I think I have like five themes that I always go back to. <laughs> the where ending. Are, where are the police? Where are the cops? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think with Leota, I really do think it's a casting thing where he has such a hard look to him. Now, it's not to say he plays these rough and tough characters all the time. And he plays a lot of tender characters, but yep. I just think he has a certain look that it's hard to plug in. It's hard he's hard to plug in as the soccer dad. Let's let's be honest here and be very, very frank for a second when it comes to Hollywood and, and perception and beauty and whatnot. He's not a classically handsome dude. No. You know, he's not one of those going to But be, an admirably good-looking dude. Like, I look at him and go, I kind of wish I looked more like him than myself at times. I could see that. I kind of <laughs> wish you looked more like Ray Liotta myself sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, he's not that, you know, type of Brad Pitt, Matt Damon type situation. Um, and let's, let's be honest, you know, talent doesn't always will out in Hollywood. You know, sometimes it's about how you look, unfortunately, you know, for better or for worse. Creating camaraderie. Difficult to do. Our favorite movies do it well. Talked about this before. Goonies, Stand By Me, even like Godfather, and this, Goodfellas. What do you make of the... I always say when you watch a movie for two hours, you're hanging out with these guys for two hours, right? Swingers. That makes you want to go out and chase skirts and have a couple cocktails and hey let's go to this bar and this one's dead let's go try this other bar what do you make of dorcia what do you make (laughs) of uh, films like this where the camaraderie is so at the forefront and if there's a character or two that you don't like or want to slap the movie kind of crumbles camaraderie is such an important part of goodfellas uh, the connections because the friends I talked about the laughter the, earlier the laughter the, the friends aspect you know these guys playing poker you get the sense it's very lived in and you almost feel like it's it's more elevated than than friends it's more like family but if none of that stuff works if that stuff doesn't work I don't think the film works so it's a delicate balance and I think they're able to strike the correct level of chemistry and I think the casting in this is, is, you know, we talked about, you talked about last week with the casting director for Raging Bull. I think it's just as good here. I, there are, you know, that whole, there's no small parts, there's only small actors. Everybody has, even if they're the smallest part, has something to contribute, I, I, I think. It seems uh, like some of these guys are just plucked right out of that era, too. I mean, like even Tootie, who, yeah. by the way, I love the fact that he has a cigar in every shot. <laughs> even the one time late in the movie where they go to, I think, Polly's for dinner. Because Tootie, I forget, is supposed to be Paulie's brother, right? Is his baller. Is his and he brother, comes yes. downstairs. There's like a shot of the wooden stairs, and he's yeah. coming down. He's got the cigar in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Like they go, they all go over for dinner. And that is Tootie that uh, kills Tommy later, correct? But he's like older. It was hard to tell. Is it? I don't know. Because it's like grayer hair, and I, that, I can't tell if it's supposed to be him. That's a great line. It's like when you, was it when you got made, Pike's Peak was a pimple? <laughs> oh, who says that? <laughs> that Tommy said that. that to him. Oh, okay. And then what does he say when... Uh, when young Henry is helping that one guy who's shot, he goes, you used up, you used eight fucking aprons on this guy. Yeah. I got to toughen this kid up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are we going to do with you? Um, speaking of casting, how about the young freaking Henry and Tommy? Those are spot on. Even young Henry, the way he kind of like laughs and smiles, yeah. just like Leo. The, the guy who plays Tommy too. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like a mini, I thought that was Joe Pishy's kid. 
I got to give props to the Ringers Rewatchables podcast. They did Goodfellas recently. We we chose to do this before they did, but yeah. they actually did the podcast first. For, for you guys who don't know, just for, because I'm obsessive-compulsive with some of this stuff, I usually plan out what we're going to do film-wise months in advance. Uh, you know, Obviously, we'd like to have some leeway in, in case something comes up. Prime case and example, it said the week of October 1st we were going to do two podcasts. That's now going to be the week of October 22nd because they decided to move Dune from October 1st to October 22nd. But that's another story. Oh, re- the Rewatchables <laughs> yes, podcast. Yes, So they mentioned, and I had never really picked up on it before. Not picked up on it, just never never really clicked. You know, they're supposed to be like when they, when they show Leota and Pesci. For the first time is those two, right? When they're older now. They're supposed to be like 21, 22. Pesci looks like he's like 48. He do, Yeah. And it's he, that's that's one of the only terrible things. I, again, I never and, noticed it before, but they pointed it out. So hat tip to those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah I did kind of think of that when I was watching because Pesci, you know, same thing. He's supposed to be, what, like 22, 23 in the re- his character. Of, I'm they sorry, should have just started the movie it, earlier or something. And his, Yeah, or exactly. the timeline. Because at the time, and Pesci's, what, 40 in this, I think, at this point? Uh, something if like that. Because yeah. I think he's in his 70s now. So yes, might, that would you know, be right. Okay. You know, about that. About that so, yeah, I mean. It's funny because you we, we talked about it at, at the beginning about what are we you know what are we gonna this movie's been such a part of our our, our childhoods and our memories it's been talked to to death like what are we gonna add to contribute and I my take has always been when we were doing this podcast is that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here we're just a couple guys kind of analyzing some films that we actually love and you know who knows maybe we do find some insight that we never saw before and I don't know. When you rewatch this, other than the Samuel L. Jackson revelation, anything else pop out in terms of, hey, I never really noticed that before? Um, trying to think. Not that I could think of. I mean, it, the, you already kind of mentioned them. You know, Isaiah Whitlock showing up, Tobin Bell. Um, Tony Lips as Frankie the Wop, kind of like I was surprised. <laughs> I, mean, I forgot that he he was in it, but you got those all, those, those little those little characters here and there. Uh it's just it's 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 so again when i think of this movie i think of this as like a symphony of scenes all these love little the scenes that, line up to not that. not necessarily have a straight narrative but just to capture a moment in time and that's what scorsese does great is he's able to capture every a lot of his films were groundbreaking because they weren't necessarily plot driven they were more character driven and in fact i would argue a good majority of them are. I mean, if you're looking at Taxi Driver or Raging Bull or even, you know, The Last Temptation of Christ, uh, they're all kind of character-driven rather than story-driven. And that's kind of what distinguishes him as a great director and which stands the test of time. There's something you like. What is it you always say? I like spending time with these people. I would never have a Goodfellas sequel, ever. But no. at the same time, it's what makes this movie so rewatchable because you like, even though these guys are brutal criminals, you like hanging out with Jimmy Conway. You like hanging out with Johnny Roast Beef. You like hanging out with Maury with his crazy ass wigs how and do all we that knock, shit. How do we knock it into what Maury? What the fuck with this guy? I man? thought I read that he was De Niro's real estate agent. It, I could buy or that. Helped him, which is if just so, if, if he's a real estate agent, then kudos to this performance because he's actually pretty good. He really is good in there. Because he's such a schmuck, he is. He even says it, right? He's, I'm not. What am I, a schmuck on wheels, or okay. what am I, a kind of sh- some I, kind of schmuck? I never agreed to three points of vig above the vig. What am I, fucking nuts? 
<laughs> and, that and then scene. he says he's choking him, and Ray Liotta's laughing at him. That, that's it. I mentioned that before with Liotta laughing like multiple times during this. Yep. He just seems like he's. That's what makes that this performance so authentic, because it seems like he's really having a good time. Yep. Like he's really living that gangster's life. Mm-hmm. Yet, not the alpha male in terms of, hey, this guy's going to control a room. Mm-hmm. Like he seems like the guy who. Started out very bottom, just running kind of errands, and then he worked his way up. Like, he always seems like that young Henry, but older. And exactly. Like, he kind of, like, builds on that almost. Yeah. You, you get almost an older, weathered Henry that still has that flash of the of the younger Henry to him. So he gets a little bit almost weathered and strung out by the end of the, the, the role itself. But, yeah, it's you, you kind of... You just appreciate it's almost this laughing intensity, like that whole thing. The fact that he he's almost he's laughing at the fact that I, what I like too. You know, we talked about how kind of audacious and explosive Leota is, but there's some subtle moments too, and it, it happened with Maury, where Maury's like freaking out. He's like, I want my fucking money, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, Leota's trying to calm down. He's like, Hey, and finally he just stops and he, he stands back and he opens the door, and just kind of gestures like, You want to go talk to him? Go talk to him. And doesn't Maury, like, like, sing to him in Italian? Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, are you ready to calm down now? You just got to stop breaking balls. And then, he's, yeah, he starts to like, oh, Henry boy. Yeah. <laughs> he's so good in there. Yeah. And the Scorsese just lets all these guys cook, too. Yeah. That's just one of those uh, that's, that's one, one of those scenes. That's a one question, too, is that because that's a great scene where he basically. Uh, who is There's it? no Ginny. non-scene I don't want to watch. Yeah. Every scene. I, we I, keep like, starting every sentence. With it's this, a That's a great scene. Yes. You know? There's no, I can't think of one scene that I'm like, oh, I don't want to put up with it. Like, I could literally watch it right now. We're. Yeah, because you could pop it in. It's one of those movies you could pop in any time, and wherever you are in the movie, you can watch on from that. Point. Which is probably Whether why it's ten it caught minutes on. in or ten minutes to go. Which is probably why it caught on so well in the era of cable. Yeah. Because if that comes out now, put it this way: if you see like the Departed, Gangs of New York, and Goodfellas, if you saw it all on consecutive days, you you might think that Goodfellas, aside from any kind of Scorsese history or whatever like that, if you just happen to. If you became a movie fan today and you watched all three, you wouldn't think I don't think Goodfellas was necessarily the best one on the first watch because it doesn't have that main MacGuffin. It's not driven by narrative or plot, like you said. But I think on that fourth and fifth watch is where Goodfellas really kind of simmers and just fucking heats up. Now, it's great on the first watch, but you almost still you don't know like where they're going. There's no main plot driver. Yeah. Whereas the other ones you do, especially Departed, where it's like a, a cat and mouse game. Mm-hmm. That's what's so cool about that movie. Right. It's an, a cat and mouse game unlike any other, like a true thriller, which is almost forgotten. But, yeah, I don't know. There's some, there's just something about Goodfellas that I think it's, it's that symphony of scenes. I think that's the best way to put it. There's so many things in this where it's there's a lot of obviousness to it, but there's also a lot of subtlety. Like the whole building at that point where he was speaking to, who is it, uh, Henry speaking to... Jimmy and he's and Jimmy's like do you think Maury tells his wife everything oh, and then yeah. he says in that moment I knew Jimmy was gonna whack Maury and then they, they goes to that scene where they're playing cards like I knew I had till eight o'clock to convince Jimmy otherwise and then at some you know Tommy's other st- telling stories and Maury's laughing and then he, he again a classic De Niro is and he just like, hey, forget about that thing Figure about, about the it. thing, which always, which always is intrigues me. To the next scene is where then Maury ends up getting whacked in the car because you know, and I always wonder if that's was intentional, and he just lied to Henry, or if Tommy just kind of was like had enough and was like, I'm just gonna kill this fucker. That's funny you mentioned that because I thought the same thing on the rewatch. Like, wait a minute, I thought he wasn't supposed to kill him. Yeah. Like, what changed? Like, 
They or got Danish he, there. Or did he just tell Pesci, hey, let's... Because uh, yeah. it's almost like they keep Leota out of that. It's almost like they they know that he's not... He's only going to do certain things. He's going to be loyal to the crew. He'll do everything else, but he's not really... He's not your button man. Mm-hmm. Um, and which actually brings up something I, I forgot to mention earlier, ask you about is... They talk about De Niro being, or Jimmy Conway being like this big... Jimmy the Gent. <laughs> essentially like a hitman, yep. right? Like he was a hitman. Doing mob hits at 16. But he doesn't seem like that throughout the film, for whatever reason. It just seems like it's kind of De Niro at his best, but not demanding the... And they always make it seem like oh, he's one of those guys who walked into a room. I didn't get really that part of that character, too. Because he didn't seem like the guy that walked into the room and everybody... Yeah, they show that in that first time they, they introduce him, right? He comes out of like the darkness, almost like he's walking into the restaurant. Yep. And he starts like, like hey, hey, he's handing out money and shit. Gregarious nature. Seven you and know. seven. Keep him coming. Keep right? him coming. Yeah, it's yeah. like he almost feels like the high roller that walks in from Vegas. Right. You know, where everyone's, you know, it's a brother well met. You know, hey, you know, he's glad. Oh, I love that. I did a little bit of, I, did, I, I lied. I did slightly a bit, bit of research. A little, little, little bit. bit of research. Well, just talking about Henry Hill, the real Henry Hill, when he actually met, it wasn't, I forget what Jimmy's last name was. It wasn't Conway. It was something else. Um, but he said, you know, how he was handing out those, those movies. He says, yeah, he saw bucked me to death. He's like every two seconds he's handing out ten dollar bills for, for like nothing. So. Yeah, but yeah, he's. Uh, I never got the fact that he was like this. I could understand the button man thing, like him being this big assassin or go to guy for those kind of kills. But I also didn't get the whole hey, he's Mister Charisma. Other than that, like first need. Now, of mm-hmm. course, we think he's charismatic, but you never. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of overthinking the whole little. I mean, I always thought role. he's charismatic and it kind of inviting kind of that devil may care but everybody loves me type thing and then which is impressive to me when it suddenly switches to outright paranoia yeah where he just doesn't trust anybody or that yeah go right in there karen go get the dresses and he definitely or, was gonna oh absolutely kill her there, right? okay. well, even well when uh, uh what henry says is i knew if i went to florida i wasn't coming back yeah. Because he's, he's asking me to do a, a hit. I've never done a hit before in my it's life. It's almost depressing because it's like, oh, man, the fun's over. Mm. You know? And now it's all over. Hey. Breaking the fourth wall at the end. That was great in the courtroom. Genius. Another great uh, Scorsese decision. We never talked about the whole cocaine, what I like to call cocaine day. Mm-hmm. That uh, anxiety filled. It was almost like With that. With a helicopter. Freaking, it almost felt like the, what's the Sandler film that just came out last year? Oh, um. Uncut Gems. Yeah, in case you were thinking, man, I would like to ho- see a whole film like this. Yeah, you got one. It's called Uncut Gems. Yeah. The Safety Brothers or whatever. The Safety Brothers, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's or, such or, a fun it's like, 20 minutes. It's like, hey, why don't? here's an idea. I'd like a – I'm feeling very calm today. Why don't I watch a two-and-a-half-hour anxiety-inducing nightmare fest? Which, uh, don't, don't get me wrong, Uncut Gems is an amazing freaking film. Holy shit, is it anxiety-inducing. I kept hearing that before I saw it going, it can't be that bad. And I was, like, getting anxious. And I don't get anxious over movies. Yeah. My like, yeah, it's just a movie. I'm like, I'm anxious oh, my God, what's going to happen? I'm anxious about a basketball game that happened 10 years ago that I could easily look up the results on the Internet. Yeah. Right, it's, right. It's crazy. Didn't but that anniversary just come up? Something like that. I thought like somebody that. posted, like, like ESPN yeah. or Barstool posted yep. about that game, that Kevin Garnett game or whatever. But, um, no, that cocaine day. There's days where I have, like, a bunch of appointments and I, that's my motivation is, 
hey, Leota got all this crap done. And he was on coke. <laughs> and like, I can do it. You know, he's like, yeah, he's going back and forth between doing the guns and getting the, the drugs ready and making the cutlets for his, his, you know, his brother's birthday and coordinating with his babysitter about who the she's going to call. babysitter I wanted to smack. What a fucking idiot she is. Oh, my um, God. She's what so a frustrating. What uh, This guy. <laughs> ah. Thelma, that's where she's at her best. Yes. The editing in there is just Fantastic. crisp Again, and smooth. The greatest, the GOAT. Selma Schumacher, she's the be. GOAT. Easily the best editor of all time. Uh, and just Goodfellas alone. Mm-hmm. If you just have Goodfellas or Agent Bill and nothing else. Yeah. And we'll get into the fun. Because I assume she did Wolf of Wall Street. She's done every movie since Raging Bull with uh, Marty. Because Wolf of Wall Street, I think, is mm-hmm. tremendous, too. And Because uh, I think she had done Alice... Because she had done, like, Scorsese's first film and then didn't do any other films with him until Raging Bull. And then she's done every film since then. So Still alive, I believe. Yep, still alive. I actually did... I Googled her recently. I forgot she was in town here in Rochester. Um, given some speech... Did she collect a local award or... Give some speech, I think, at the Little, our mm-hmm. local little art house. Yep, still kicking. Yay. Theater. Yeah, still doing well. Documentaries and, and such. Um, independent films. But, yeah, she was here giving some kind of speech. And our uh, the late, great Jack Garner, I believe, was one of the ones who was emceeing the event. So yep. that's a cool little article to check out. Uh, any other forgotten crumbs before we move on to the Leo McKern Award? Not that I can think of. Just it was fun to revisit this film. And I one. One funny anecdote I had about the movie is I remember years ago, it's been 18 years ago, I was working at Media Play, which is now um, Altitude, the trampoline place mm. at Southtown Plaza. And a guy had a guy come in, uh, this was like a week before Christmas, and he's like, he bought Goodfellas, like, hey, a good film. He's like, it's my favorite film. I watch it once a year on Christmas Eve. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Holy cow. So shout out to that gentleman. Al Pacino was up for uh, Jimmy Conway. I don't think that would have worked. William Maybe. Peterson also was up for the role. Scorsese courted him. He turned it down. Damn. That's got to be one of those. Oof. Yeah, I wish I, I would have. Hindsight's twenty twenty situation. Goodfellas better mob mob movie than Godfather? Godfather 2? I almost you know, say yes. Here's a weird thought. I'm, I'm probably not the only person who's thought this. I feel like Goodfellas is a better mob gangster movie, but the Godfather has more better family dynamics. I you don't say know. Godfather? Yeah. So, I mean, I think th- I if you're asking me straight up, I think Goodfellas is the best gangster movie of all time, period. It almost seems like Godfather's kind of like the Lord of the Rings in terms of big black and white, whereas Goodfellas is almost the Game of Thrones where you get into the nitty-gritty and the personalities as opposed to the, the major families. You get mm-hmm. into, like, what's, like, the the, the 19th guy mm-hmm. on the power chain? What's right. he doing today? Yeah. Well, here, we'll show you for two and a half hours, mm-hmm. which is what I kind of like. All right, now for the Leo McKern Award, named for the lovable drunk Imperius from 1985's Lady Hawk. We did a pod on that. This award is given to the character we would most like to have as a neighbor in real life, who do you got from Goodfellas? I gotta go Johnny Roast Beef because I love <laughs> I love the name. I feel like he would always have some kind of cold cuts or something around, so we could just have a couple beers and some sandwiches. And maybe he's gonna give me a ride in that coupe. That uh, coupe is tremendous. That, that coupe is tremendous. That shot where the kids walk up to it, yeah, with Layla playing, oof, just dynamite. I might have to say, I really like Leota. I just love the Henry Hill character. 
I'm all about Leota. Big man crush on actually, him. Actually, I seen the Karen's, or Servino. Actually, Karen's mom. <laughs> oh my gosh, where have you been? What a miserable bitch. And I love, I love how Leota just laughs. Like he's like, yeah. <laughs> as he's wiping his and then, eyes. And Tommy's exhausted. just like, well, you should be better, Henry. You know, <laughs> making fun of him in the car. And then Karen's like, Mom! <laughs> Why didn't she just tell her, like... His poor dad just sitting there on the couch, hasn't said a word in 40 years. What does she say? He hasn't had a bowel. She hasn't... <laughs> he hasn't had a bowel movement in three days or something, or something like that. Like he never that, goes yeah. anywhere. He doesn't do anything. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again for Luke and Corey's recommendations. This could be anything. Could be books, could be movies, could be music, could be comics, could be a piece of art, could be food, drinks. It doesn't matter. Anything and everything is up for grabs. Luke Mayo, sir, what are some of your recommendations for this week? Have you ever read the classic story, The Lottery, by Shirley Jackson? of course. So I just learned... That Shirley Jackson graduated from Brighton High School. Really? Yeah. I, I mentioned something about that short story on Twitter. I think it was like the anniversary recently. And how that story was just burned into my brain about this like small town that holds this lottery. And through the whole short story, I believe it was in the New Yorker, you're not really sure what the lottery's for. Is it for a million dollars? Is it for something else? Turns out... They stone someone to death. Mm-hmm. So whoever's name is drawn from the hat or whatever like that. But anyway, it's just a it's a haunting tale. Um, there's a lot of themes that go into it, but I'm not going to get into that. If you, I'm sure you probably reread it if you haven't read it since like high school, like me in English class. But also, if you're from Rochester, it's worth uh, knowing that Shirley Jackson is a Brighton High School grad. I guess she moved from California, came here for whatever reason in her family. Went to Brighton and ended up going to Syracuse. So it's really interesting. And I wanted to like Kate, uh, not Kate Moss, um, <laughs> the, the, the Elizabeth Moss actually did a oh. film uh, on her life last year where she played Shirley Jackson. Really, uh, it was just called. I think it was just called Shirley. Uh, it was really interesting. But I love. She is just a dynamic writer of the 20th century. Such a great turn of phrase, and I love this. This the opening paragraph to The Haunting of Hill House is some of the best ever. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Even larks and katydids are supposed by some to dream. Hill House, not sane, stood by itself against the hills, holding darkness within. It had stood so for 80 years and might stand for 80 more. Within walls continued upright, bricks met neatly, floors were firm, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay deadly against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. Ooh. I just I get goosebumps every time I read that. And it's a, that paragraph is also quoted at the beginning of Stephen King's Salem's Lot. Which is always I thought cool for me. I love how King knows that. Yes, he oh he that was one of his major influences. So uh, my first recommendation is going to be that is Mr. Tom Nook from the great uh, video game Animal Crossing that my son is obsessed with. Seriously, that's the guy who's like he's like Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island. Like you get to the the island there and like you you build your stuff. But my son really likes it. It is one of the more kinder, friendlier, nicer games. I mean, it took over everything last year in 2020. Tablet? Is that a tablet No, game? Animal Crossing. It's on the Switch. And basically, oh, you, okay. you you know, you build friendships, you you know, you, you get, like, mortgages, and you build stuff, and you catch things, and it's huh. like, all about building island life and connections, and it's really nice and friendly. Um, almost calming and relaxing in some ways, to the point where 
my wife has actually kind of got into it too. And I promised my son that I would do the Tom Nook voice when I did this recommendation because he, I do it for him and he laughs hysterically every single time. Now I want to YouTube the sound. Yeah, I mean that's I that's almost exactly how he sounds like. I'm not just touting my uh, impersonation. <laughs> talents but that's that's pretty close so that's my first recommendation is animal crossing i don't play it myself but i've seen what a positive uh effect it's had on my son i call bullshit i think you play it <laughs> all right my second recommendation i mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago no escape ray Liotta, 1994 uh science fiction action film gonna rub your mom those pretzels in your mouth too <laughs> i freaking <laughs> freaking love this film uh, I'll give you some of the Wikipedia descriptions so I don't have to get into it. A Marine serves life imprisonment on an island inhabited by savage and cannibalistic prisoners. There's like a good guy camp and a bad guy camp. Um, you've also got Lance Henriksen leading the good guy camp. Kevin Dillon's in this. Michael Lerner, who plays like the asshole prison warden. Also our boy Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters fame. Uh, dystopian future type film. If you ever watched Goodfellas or anything else and thought, man, I would love to see Ray Liotta and like a good guy Maximus like, let's, we need somebody good to root for here. That type of charismatic type of dude. This is your film. It's, it's really a good action film. And if you grew up in the 90s, you probably saw it. But if you haven't, go check it out. I have, you know, it's funny. I've seen bits and pieces of that film, but I've never seen like the whole thing. So maybe I'll get a chance to uh, to check it out. Incidentally, I don't think it's on any streaming service. Sadly, incidentally, there are like a bunch of good films coming out this week that I really want to check out. I've, Steven Soderbergh's new film is coming out this weekend on HBO Max. I can't remember the name of it is, but it's getting good reviews. Uh, the Tomorrow War with Christopher Pratt, and there's a really subtle like indie horror film that's based on a video game called coming out called Were- The Werewolves Within. And it's got uh, the girl from AT, the AT&T commercials is in it, I guess. And she's, I guess, really good. Oh. Like the, 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 I, the reviews have been incredibly positive. But the one that I keep reading, it's hilarious. He's like, is the name of the woman, the girl, and I forget what her name is. says, I just saw Werewolves, or Werewolves Within, and I love it. And I'm very angry that so-and-so is not in more things. Ah. <laughs> so maybe this is one of those things that helps bust her out of that. Oh, but, yeah. So, second recommendation for me, a couple weeks back, I recommended the Passion Fruit uh, Red Bull. This time, uh, same situation, I'm going to recommend Coconut Berry uh, Red Bull. Absolutely delicious, not overpowering, very subtle, just a great flavor. And I'm one of those people that, it's funny how your taste changed. When I was a kid, I absolutely detested coconut. And now as an adult, I love coconut. Like, I just absolutely, I dig it so much. So if you're a fan of coconut and you like Red Bull, and you need and you need to be up for the next ninety hours. Chug about ten of them. Coconut berry Red Bull, pretty good. A lot of good recommendations here. I, you know what I watched the other day? Uh, we we're trying to find something family-ish, mm-hmm. something we can sink our teeth into because my girls are getting a little more mature in their films. The Human Centipede. We watched. Oh my god! That, you know, whoever makes it, I'm never like that, watching those. Films. I saw the first one. It was so disturbing. I remember thinking, "Look, I'm all about art and expression and being able to First Amendment, whatever." Um, that's so horrifying that I think. How could you come up with it? Like, well, how could you green like that? Why would you act in that? Yeah. It's not even art. It's just... Like, what is that? Like, what? I don't know. Don't watch that freaking movie. <laughs> That's not a family film, folks. Watch this, though. 2012. I enjoyed that. Oh, God. A, a disaster film. It's 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 I'm, corny. It's cheesy. You are going to get some hot takes from Mike on this one. <laughs> well, here's, here's my thing, though. And <laughs> Mr. Pagano has some very interesting thoughts about this film. It's cheesy. It's corny. We had fun watching it. There's too many close calls. It's so literal. It's literally unbelievable. A lot of the crap. Oh, in there. absolutely. But if 
the whole point is, well, it's a disaster film. It's supposed to be stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's, some movies I don't think are supposed to be necessarily realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, count this one up there. But I got to admit, from like start to finish, there was like a lot of... Entertainment value. There was a lot of entertainment value. And my girls, again, who are sixth grade and going into seventh grade and fifth, um, they got a kick out of it. We liked, My wife and I liked seeing John Cusack again. Which, which was man, which was cool. I'd like a comeback from him. You haven't seen him do anything. He's do Tarantino's got to throw him in something. God, please making him an assassin or yeah. whatever. Um, but you know, yeah, it's it's dumb, but it's fun. As my boy John McClintock likes to say, it's just good popcorn fun. There you go. Sometimes that's all you need. You can just check your brain at the door. It's fine. Bring it, Pagano. <laughs> hey, I just remember, there was uh, Michael. Have to maybe talk to you about it because when we go to the baseball game in a couple of weeks. But he, we had this conversation one day. And he just laid down like all the the issues he had with the film. Yeah, he was he had some very passionate takes about that movie. So it's 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 funny because I bring it up to him every once in a while. And what's so. entertaining is they went all out for this. Yeah, like there's a lot of people trying to throw perfect games Danny Glover among them like these guys aren't like holding back no so it's entertaining uh my third recommendation uh is a place called Blue Line Coffee House and this is uh actually an old forge because I just got back from vacation there today but it's a locally owned coffee establishment and let me tell you it's dynamite I had uh went there the last two days Yesterday, I got uh, their s'mores iced latte. Today, I got the, got their maple spice iced latte. And I had, they had, they just started making these uh, maple glazed cinnamon buns. And hands down, the best cinnamon bun I've ever had in my life. Absolutely freaking out of this world. So delicious. To the point that when I was done, <laughs> I came up to them and I said two things. One, this is the best cinnamon roll I've ever had in my life. Secondly, I have a podcast and I'm recommending you guys tonight. So they actually wrote down the name of the podcast. I think there's a zero percent chance they'll ever listen to this podcast. But if you are ever in the Old Forge, New York area, Blue Line Coffee House, it is a delight. Ooh, hey, I wasn't going to recommend them, but you said delight. So I'll throw out Donuts Delight again. One of the places I grew up on here in the People's Republic of Irondequoit. Fantastic donuts bought by Salvatore, so they do the pizza thing too. I've probably recommended these guys like three or four times on the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and do it again just because you mentioned the word delight. I'm all out of, my, all, I'm, I'm all out of recommendations here. All I right. know you probably got seven more. No, I got one last one. I got one last one because, you know, it's, it's, I didn't really have any books or you didn't get a chance to watch any other movies this week because, you know, I've been all – I guess I'll re-recommend it again somewhat. But I'm all in on For All Mankind. I'm telling you, this show is, is the real deal. So if you guys got Apple TV and you like space – Whew, check it out. It's so good. It's awesome. But my fourth and final recommendation is Enchanted Forest, Enchanted Forest Water Safari, where the Enchanted fun never stops. Forest Water Safari, where the fun never stops. Bum, um, bum. You can't talk about that place if you don't sing the song, really. Um, it's an, it's pretty decent. Like, I hadn't been there in 26 years. We went with my family. This, this, and you said this the place, lines weren't too bad. The lines weren't too bad. They got, uh, they've got several new... Um, uh, slot water slide since I've been there. One was uh, Kil- uh, Kilimanjaro's Revenge, and the other one was I think it was the Viper something, the Viper the Mamba Strike. That was it. Where you basically and I went on this thing. You get in this like tube, and there's a trap door that just opens up below you, and then you shoot out. So it's it's insane. And my 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 wife and my son wanted me wanted me to go on it just to see me shoot out and laugh at my ass Hopefully when there's I was a video of this uh, and there I don't think there is oh that would be great Sorry. for the movie chunks uh, twitter page yeah two scorsese films down three more to go what's on tap for next week 
All right, well, we got 2006's Departed. Uh, this is just a, I love this film. I haven't seen it in probably 10 years or so, but talk about a tremendous cast. And one of the great things about Scorsese is the fact that when you're a great talent, you attract talent to you. And we've got you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, there's Matt Damon, there's Alec Baldwin, there's Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Jack Nicholson. I mean, this cast of characters is pretty intense. I can't wait. Uh, it's actually a remake of a film from Japan or China, I believe, possibly Korea. Hmm. So we'll look into that as well. But that's one of my favorites. Um, it's a scorcher of film. I love The Departed. Can't wait to talk about that one next week. A true thriller, kind of a whodunit cat and mouse. We mentioned it before. He's Corey Cook. I'm Luke Mayo. Live for the first time since, gosh, who knows when. We'll see you wise guys and hoodlums next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.